there's a soul on the other side of that business and they're having problems, problems at home, problems with their body, problems with their spiritual connection, everything. And that ultimately is going to resonate inside of their business. So no matter what kind of band-aid or help I give them in their business, there's still an individual that needs to be addressed behind the scene. Hello, fellow entrepreneurs and Triple M Nation. This is Steve Hamoon here, and this is the Money Mindset and Mentoring Podcast, your go-to resource for breaking financial plateaus and taking your business to the next level. Whether you're just starting your entrepreneurial experience or you're a seasoned veteran striving for expansion, you are in the right place. As myself, as a successful entrepreneur in tech, construction, real estate, mortgages and financing, and in my business consulting, I have helped countless individuals achieve their financial success by pinpointing their challenges and guiding them to creating massively successful outcomes. Now, don't worry. It doesn't matter if you're making under $100,000 or if you're making well over a million. This show's intention is to offer you a fresh perspective and provide actionable advice to help you drive your success. Each week, we bring in powerful stories of guests who've wrestled with challenges, much like yours, and have emerged victorious. These stories are not far-fetched fantasies. They are possible and they are real. And they are a testament to what you can achieve with the right mindset and the right strategies. Expect an in-depth market analysis, empowering insight into sales and marketing and HR. And above all, an unwavering commitment to you to guide you towards achieving your financial goals. So are you ready to unlock your entrepreneurial potential? Join me every week on all the major platforms. Welcome to the Money Mindset and Mentoring Podcast, where success isn't just a dream, it's a journey we will embark on together. We are so excited about this podcast. We have Joshua Jones here from the Ignition Movement, the founder. And man, it was so great. We were on uh, on a on a call with a bunch of people and we had a quick little session that we were talking and I was like, man, you have got a passion to speak and I've got to get you on the podcast. So I'm really happy to hear you today and let the listeners to listen to your message. So thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me, brother. This is exciting. Well, the first thing that I have to say that was great was, you know, being able to, first of all, bond on one of the things that was my most important thing, which is martial arts. And, uh, and I know you had the Krav Maga experience and, uh, little bit of the jujitsu on the go. And uh, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, what brought you into that and, uh, you know, about your martial arts journey, we're going to say. Sure. Yeah. Martial arts has always been a thing for me when I got in the army. Well, obviously I liked Bruce Lee when I was a kid, like, like fucking rock star. This guy could do some massive stuff. Him and Chuck Norris. And these guys were like kind of idols back when I was a kid. So I'd always try this stuff out, you know, wind up smashing myself and yeah, like I need to get some training. Well, I wound up going to the army, and then did, we did learned... you have the nunchucks? Yo, I got nunchucks. I got nunchucks like nightmares. <laughs> Everybody takes it to the nuts one time, at right? least <laughs> once, seven, eight <laughs> times to the dome, definitely. There you go. Yeah. Nice. But I got in the army, and I learned judo, and that was cool. So I started really getting this idea of like, oh, judo's the best. Body mass and leveraging, and and being able to posture, and and so yeah, that that's what spurred everything for me, actually getting some training. And then when I got into the Krav situation, I had my kid, my my stepson, he's 13. He had been in like Taekwondo, black belt, you know, badass motherfucker. Not really, 
but you know, the kid could do some stuff. <laughs> then we get into cr- no taekwondo. Taekwondo can be legitimate as a martial art. Absolutely, you know, there's people in MMA who are, you know, have a taekwondo background, and when they use it, you know, in tandem with wrestling or in tandem with something else, yeah, it's a beautiful martial art. Yeah, I sure. watched Joe Rogan beat the shit out of a bag with the, one of them sidekicks. I'm like, fuck, man, that is power and massive yeah. power. Yeah, I, he never got that route, and I never got that route. So now we dicked around with crowd and that was cool because now we're into some actual applicable stuff. And then, uh, of course our instructor was like, Hey, look, you guys need to get down and roll. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> fuck it, Let's do it, man. Let's get down and roll. Yeah. And I won't go down absolutely. all the story, but you know, it's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, you learn a lot about proximity. Definitely. Uh, you know, is one of those things, right? And in proximity, it's funny, but that's one reason my wife won't train jujitsu <laughs> is she says it's way too much proximity violations. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. The thing I love about jujitsu though, is that, you know, from a competitive standpoint, you can go full tilt and, and one quick tap or one quick verbal statement and it's all done and you reset and you go again. Yeah, absolutely. And so you can have maximum violence with maximum control. And that's what I think is so beautiful about jiu-jitsu. Absolutely. Yeah, a lot of the men's movements right now are all about the capacity for violence and the ability to actually moderate that. And self-control is kind of universal concept of like, you got your shit together. So I love that. Yeah, great aspect. I couldn't agree more. You know, and the thing is, it's like, for example, I, you know, I own a mortgage brokerage and I run a consulting business. And with my mortgage brokerage, we had this one client call us and she called me up specifically and she said, you know, she says, is this Steve? And I said, yeah. And she said, you know, you are a predator to young women. You only care about money. You only care about yourself. And, you know, and she went on about five minutes about a whole, you know, I was just basically the, the demon of the world. And, you know, so my response to her was, and this is where, you know, I think jujitsu comes into play. My response to her was, you know, if I was in the same situation as you, and I felt that somebody was a predator to my daughter, put my daughter in a, posi- in a position of risk because they, you know, were a predator because they were only cared about themselves and all these things. I'd be doing the exact same thing that you're doing right now. So I really, I'm, your daughter should be thankful for having someone in your life like you. That's amazing. Instant diffuse. The, exactly. And, the, and so it went on for about 45 minutes and her husband tried the same thing, but I just agreed with him all the time. But that came out of not only some training with Grant Cardone, but it really also came out of jujitsu. Excellent. Because the thing is, is if you, if you fight fire with fire, like I have a guy who just joined the gym who is, he's 24 years old, dude's jacked to the nines. He's about 220 pounds. I'm only 180 pounds. I'm almost 50. And I got to roll with this guy to show him that jujitsu works. And you know, that's like a hell in a handbag to deal with that. If I'm trying to fight strength with strength, because there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. So I just fight strength with water. And then there's no way that he can fight that. And, and it becomes so much easier. So I think Jiu-jitsu and having that ability to be, be to instill maximum violence in your mind, you can do it with like absolute confidence, and that confidence then takes away the emotion out of things. Absolutely, you just you know you're like, cool, this is sweet. I'm just relaxed. And meanwhile, they're like, because they've you know they've they've just completely everything went into that last you know thirty seconds. Now they're done. Now they're done. <laughs> now you talk about the men's movement and that sort of thing. Talk to me a little bit about, so you were, you were in the military, you're in the, you said the army, is that correct? Correct. And then when did you get out of the army? I got in the army, out of the army uh, back in 99. 99. Great. And well, and then although I'm from Canada, I, 
even though I'm from Canada, I'm still going to say thank you for your service uh, because I think I think you know the uh, American military you know is responsible for service around the world. So um, true that. Yeah, big time. And so after you got out, tell me about a little bit what happened afterward. What was your journey? Well, my journey was really about establishing myself as a man, or at least what I thought it was a man at the time, right? It's like, all right, we'll go get a wife and have some kids and start a business. Like that was my entire concept of a man. And it really wasn't from my examples. It was really from just my my own personal development, right? I'm reading these books. I'm looking at other examples because my dad really wasn't in the picture. He didn't even know his dad. So as far as a, a male example, really didn't have that. So it was like a you know, fictional piecemeal together from all these different guys. So that's where I was at. And I did that in Georgia. I had a great time uh, with it and fantastic. And then I took this real dip into faith and shit went sideways fast. Like you find out, well, you married for the wrong reasons and it was all about the sex and all of that. And so uh, understanding I wasn't even really showing up as a man, wasn't really showing up as a husband, as a dad, and all of these things really started to weigh on me and break me apart. And so I, I sat in a space like, fuck, what do I do now? And all of a sudden, these these little beacons would start to pop up. These men, they were like, fuck that. It's time to stand up and be a man. It's You can't play around with this. And I'm like, ooh, what's that? Tell me more. I need to know what this is because I have capacity for violence. I have a little bit of self-control. But, you know, I'm sitting in addictions back then. I'm drinking, I'm lying to myself, I'm dealing with porn, I'm dealing with gaming, I'm like sedating all over the place. And so I had no concept of what it was to really walk in truth and own my own shit and become responsible. Then I heard Jordan Peterson's voice. I don't know, it was like six years ago or something. Like, fucking Peterson, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking from above, a.k.a. Canada. For real. (laughs) Yeah. And he's just like, no, and all of that. I, I don't do that shit. Like, and all this I naming. I like how you throw and, the Kermit voice in that. That was that was, yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> Certain <laughs> phrases, man says right, just like ring. Oh, they do. And they do. Yeah, that tipped me. That tipped me on on the journey to actually figure out what the hell I'm here to do. And and I think that's what most men are really after, right? It's the idea that you're put here. You're divinely inspired. It's not some accident. You came out your dad, you know, with your dad and mom. Like all this shit was pre-planned. There's there's something way above this that's orchestrating things and it's just a matter of coming in alignment with that and then fulfilling whatever it is that you're particularly put here to do one of the words you used in that i thought was really interesting when you talk about all the different things whether it be video games porn the drinking all those things was you use the word sedation i found that as a very interesting term and i think you know talk to me a little bit more about what your perspective is on that sure so there's this idea that there's a veil that sits around us that keeps us from the truth. And it's the truth, the concept that this, you know the truth, the truth sets you free. And so there's this veil that sits between you and the truth, preventing you from that. And so whatever that is, I classify that as sedation. Sometimes it would be like, I got sedated with yard work. You know, I'd rather go do yard work than take responsibility for the shit I need to own today. Uh, or I'd rather go watch some TV shows and I'm going to get into the sports thing and I'm going to go in over here and, you know, whatever it is, smoke some weed, do some dope, whatever, you know, like I'm going to go over here and mess with these chicks. Like mm-hmm. it could be anything, right? It could be, oh, I'm going to go and get on the computer and just start looking around at stuff. It's just something that's hindering you from actually sitting in the facts, the reality of where you are now. And being able to actually analyze what you actually want, like the, the fact of what you want. Because I don't know about you, but 
for me, it's like, I never really knew what I want. I just like throw some shit at the dartboard and like, man, I'm going to go for that. Like, shoot, is it shoot for the moon? And that way you won't hit the ground. (laughs) You're going to hit something up there. But this idea of being able to acknowledge where you are. So the sedation sits like this veil where you never acknowledge a responsibility that's lacking within one's life. You know, and I love that as a, as a concept, because I know when I look at my development and the way that I've kind of grown up to be the, the somewhat of an adult that I am today, I use an asterisk. I think there's still a little kid in me, but the, you know, when I talk about the idea of, you know, back when I, I also used to drink like a fish and, you know, thank God for jujitsu because when I started jujitsu, I was 240 pounds. I weigh about 180 pounds right now. So I lost, you know, significant amount of weight. I don't drink anymore. I mean, maybe I'll have like one drink, um, you know, in like a season. That's about it. But I really have no tolerance for it because it doesn't help me get to my objectives. Right. And so, you know, the idea that, that you're right, that those things are distractions from the truth and distractions from your goals. One of the things I love about Cardone is, you know, Cardone has this saying, he says, success is my duty, my responsibility. And I think that's something that is really, really important for people to think around that it's not an option. And in fact, he goes further to say that if you are not successful, you're actually being greedy Mm. because you're robbing the people around you from the success that you can make for you and for them. When you go out and you do all those things that are antithesis to your success, or as you say, they pull you away. They, you know, those are the things I think that, you know, you really got to rip out of your life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what was, I mean, like some of the things growing up, the peer pressure, like what was the biggest thing you experienced that you had to rip out of your life? Well, for me, it was booze. I mean, that was the number one thing that, and it wasn't even a peer pressure thing. I think I just, I found so much joy in socialization. And the problem was, is socialization invariably always went with alcohol, right? And so if you went to a party and you're the person not drinking, you're kind of like the weird guy, you know, and and you're like, okay, well, you know, I... I guess I'll drink and, and I don't need it to go do stupid things. I can do stupid things. You know, I can dance on a table like anybody else, whether I have a drink or not. But you know, it's one of those things where you just kind of have it because it became part of it. And then you tell yourself all the things you like about it. Like I still, I love the taste of craft beers. Like I just love the bite that they have and, and everything like that, but I don't need the alcohol to make, you know, the thing come together. And one thing that I think is really interesting about modern society, and this is actually a good movement that's happening in modern society. Like I went out to a pub just, uh, it was about a week and a half ago and the person I was sitting with ordered a beer and I'm like, and I said, and I looked at the man, I was like, oh my gosh, they have non-alcoholic beer here. Sweet. And on tap. Wow. So you're like, oh, I can get non-alcoholic beer. This is fantastic. And, and so to me, it's like, then I can have the flavor. I mean, it's still going to get the calories. I'm not so happy about that, but I don't need to have all the other impacts that alcohol brings. So, you know, I think that was probably one of the biggest things to take out of my life was that. And, and I'm so happy about that. It's awesome, brother. The other one I think is a really good one is video games, right? I think video games, you know, I lost a lot of friends to, do you remember when Warcraft came out? Uh, Warcraft was the killer of so many friendships and so many relationships because it was so pervasive and, you know, and people would just, you know, it, they had their addiction factor just dialed up to a hundred and, you know, and so, I mean, I played that for a while and then I kind of realized hunting boars is is just, you know, to, to get your plus five sword or whatever the stupid thing you're trying to get, your purple armor. And then next week they're like, now purple armor's not cool. You got to get the red armor or whatever. And you're like, oh my God, I got to hunt more boars. And so, you know, the, just the perpetual nature of mediocrity in that game was something that ebbed at me. I was able to break away from that one pretty quick, but I had a lot of friends who, I mean, 
they, they lost their businesses. They lost their girlfriends. They lost so much to those, those kind of environments. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a very fun thing to see in the, in the backside of that. So when you came out and you're like, okay, this, this sounds really cool. And you know, you've got your mindset fixed, you know, talking about Jordan Peterson. We also talked about, I think it was the warrior movement. I think that you're a part of Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Wake up warrior was big for me. Um, I have this, I have this deep inside of me, this alpha male that wants to come out because I'm also a yellow type personality and I have a people mastery skill and I have this communication gift. It all just resonated with me. I saw this guy on the stage. I think it was the click funnels, <clears throat> funnel hack, yep. excuse me, funner funnel hacker live. And it was fantastic. Like he just got up there and he just like poured his shit out. And I was like, Oh, that's me. I'm like, dude, I tell on myself all the time. I talk to these younger guys. I'm like, listen, let me tell you a story, brother. And all of a sudden they're like, dude, that's where I'm at. So that exact thing happened to me. And it was cool because I'm like, this is what I'm doing is I'm in this process of waking up. You know, I was in my second marriage, eight years into it. I had no idea that like my wife was getting ready to leave me. And, and so I'll give you a little context to this. At the turn of last year from Thanksgiving to Christmas, I wind up doing a 30-day fast. And I come up with some religious background reasoning for that in the last 23 years of my growth spiritually. But I came to this place where I'm like, I need to fucking change or God, you need to take me out of here because clearly I'm not getting this shit done. Like, I need to know what it is I need to do. And so at the turn of the year, I got this like flip, flip. And all of a sudden this operating system is here. It's like, you're a fucking liar. And then I hear this guy from the stage say, you're a fucking liar because I'm a fucking liar. I'm like, whoa. Dude, that's it. I'm a liar. And all of a sudden, shit started to crumble. And I'm like, okay, this is the process of waking up. Like, you know, you wipe your eyes, you get all the junk out of your eyes, you blink, it's like, fuck, give me some water. Like, this is the process of waking up. And then I began to understand, like, the reason I could never achieve that trajectory, like he points out, like, you need a fact, you need a map. You need to know where the fuck you're at. And then when you know where you're at, you can look up and go, okay, well, that's where I want to go. Just like when you're you're sitting there prone, right? You, you have a position just like BJ, BJJ. You got to know the position you're in and what your capability is from there. And then you know what your objective is. You, you have to know where you are in order to even plot your objective. Yeah. And I think you had a, you know, something really important in saying that you have to have a map. I think, yeah. you know, in the military or in jujitsu or anything, you know that people will always operate on their lowest form of training, right? And if you don't train and you don't have that plan that has a plan A, plan B, plan C, you don't have option A, option B, you know, that kind of thing built into your map, you know, you're going to fall to pieces. And I, and I think, you know, that that is something that is extremely important in martial arts, in relationships, and in business. Absolutely. Mission critical, in fact. Yeah, that's one yep. of the beauties of being in the and, and the irony of it, of course, coming from the military background, like, dude, I know this shit. Like, why, why have I been doing it? And that was part of this wake up process that took place. So, yeah, he took me down this journey and, and, you know, I went all in on it. And I understood for the first time in my life that I also am to become an example. And that all the talking and all the speaking, and all the bullshit coming out of my mouth means nothing compared to the the massive volume of my action. Yeah. And that's where, that's where I got the the value out of that, that movement. It's been great. I actually became a certified trainer out of that. And that spurred me into a pivot, in my business into coaching. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. It's like, I'd sit here and fucking fix people's businesses, thousand percent increase in their traffic, this, that, and the other thing. And all of a sudden it would crumble. And I'm like, what the, what's going on? And I never realized just like me, there's a soul on the other side of that business 
and they're having problems, problems at home, problems with their body, problems with their spiritual connection, everything. And that ultimately is going to resonate inside of their business. So no matter what kind of Band-Aid or help I give them in their business, there's still an individual that needs to be addressed behind the scene. Yeah, there was a, and that, that's very powerful. And I agree with that 100%. I was in a, I think it was a, I don't know if it was Keller Williams or there was, it was a conference I was at and they were talking about, you know, the individual element of the business, the personal element of the business. And he said, you know, he said, they were, they were just kind of going on talking about, you know, market stats. I think it was a real estate one. And they're talking about market stats and they said, you know, big thing that's happening as we move into this year, there's going to be a lot of divorces and blah, 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 blah. In fact, 50% of, you know, marriages or whatever the, the stat was end up in divorce. And then he paused and he said, now when you're working with your colleagues and your colleague maybe snaps at you or your colleague doesn't, you know, respond to you in the way that you think that they should or, or something's wrong, then understand that 50% of the people in this room are probably getting divorced right now. And so they're not talking to you out of the position of their business. They're talking to pitches and one of the major pillars in their life is falling to pieces and you don't know. Right. Yeah. Heartbreaking. It is. It totally is heartbreaking. But fact. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we're running a, an event in November coming up. That's all about, it's the 10X movement and it's specifically around the 10X movement surrounding families talking about, you know, cause I think the family's been under attack, mm -hmm. you know, it's been under attack for years and years. I think since they, you know, you got to the dual income requirement to actually live in this world. That was the first breakdown of the family. And then every year there's something that ticks away at breaking at the family unit. And I think building up the power of the family unit is one of those critical things that I think is so imperative. And it sounds like that's one of the big elements of your movement as well. Yeah. Actually, the fact that you say it that way resonates with me so hard because I sat in a space in Florida before we moved to Tennessee here. And, you know, I was having this spiritual moment with God. And I, for the one of the first, there's maybe a handful of times I believe that God actually showed up and spoke a word to me. And they're never like huge or long and not a long conversation necessarily. But this one was get your house in order. And I thought I had my shit together then. You know, we're five years, six years married by that point. Thought we were doing great. Come to find out we're not. And like you said, it's so under attack that the attack is so pervasive and sneaky that you, you cannot deny the fact that you're under attack. And if you do, you're a fool. There is just no way. You have to know that you are in a war every day and that that enemy is coming to fucking take your wife from you, sever that relationship, put a wedge, make you angry at your kids, whatever trigger you for whatever reason. And the more capacity you have as a man to stand in that gap and hold the space and just breathe right? Like meditation, great thing. Save marriages all over the world. If men would just learn to meditate. <laughs> I mean, shit. But that's it. Yeah. And so part of the, one of the four pillars that the, the wake up warrior movement also, and the warrior trainer program is all about is, you know, body being balanced in business. And that balance aspect is so, so pivotal that it's like, it could tip the entire table. And like you were saying, when the mortgage industry and real estate. Yep. Yeah, it's fundamental. It, you know, when I look at another big training organization that I really respect is the Kelly Williams uh, training organization. That's a real estate company, and that's one of the things they talk about. They have this thing where they use this four one one when you're looking at your goals and that sort of thing. And you have to put down your goals that are personal. You have to put down your professional goals. You know, your family goals. You put down everything on the thing because if one of those pillars falls, everything else is going to go. Yes. Right. Absolutely. We think of it like a table, right? 
you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go crazy flat earth here. No, I'm just kidding. But the idea <laughs> of a table, like, I mean, you, you get wobbly in that table or chair, you know, you go to sit in that chair and you just, you can't get comfortable. You just, it doesn't work. Yep. Well, we use that, we use that in jujitsu a lot, right? You're going to take away one of the legs, right? Yes. Yep. The points. Yep. Points. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. That's amazing. So, and actually it's funny. I think I, I watched the same presentation on, I love Russell Brunson. I'm not going to lie. He's just the coolest dude. He's so, well, I mean, I don't know him personally, so I'm, you know, I, I love him at a distance, but he seems so authentic. He's just such, I mean, he, he's a wrestler too. So, you know, he's grappler to art, which I, you know, just, just puts him in the right category. And, you know, as you can see, I've got all of his books. You know, I did the uh, classes and sort of thing. And that's where I saw the warrior movement. And, and yeah, he's, he was impactful. He did. He was good. I loved it. That was a very good component of the ClickFunnel uh, Training Academy was having him on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a neat, the little synergy that they have. And, you know, I, you know, again, I'm not trying to get all religious with this, but the fact that they were both come from like a Mormon background and this idea that like they're, they want to bring the faith into whatever that faith they have, you know, obviously into all for all the areas of their business and their being and everything that they do. And it's like, yeah, see, this is this idea of doing versus just talking about it. And I love it. It reminds me of the church. Like, Absolutely. I think lip service is one of those things that is, you know, and I'll, I'll get a little, you know, probably political on this. This will be the most political I'll ever get. But, you know, when we talk about the dedication of land, you know, that kids read at school every day, you know, they, we are in the land of the, whatever tribe it is. And because of the treaties of blah, 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 we stand here, the land belongs to them. And I'm like, well, if we're going to keep on talking about it, let's just give the land back. Because if we're not going to do anything about it, why are we talking about it? We're actually building into our psyche that talking about is enough. You know, like there was a, a Lewis CK and he's a very polarizing comedian, but he had this one, you know, a bit that was on. You know, he's on a plane, right? And he's, he, you know, because he's making some good money, he sits in first class, right? And he looks back and he sees the, the Marine who's sitting back in, in coach. He's, man, like, I should really give my seat to this guy. This guy's given so much to the country. I should really give my seat to him. And then he, then he pauses and obviously he's a comedian. But I'm not going to, right? Because I still want to sit in first class. But because I thought about it, you know, that makes me feel good, right? Because I went through the thought process of that I was going to give. I'm not going to. But because I went through the thought process, and I think you know that sort of lack of follow up with action, you know, is sort of starting to being built in the DNA of the modern person that they can give lip service to something, or they can donate to some charity, and then that's enough or whatever, and or they'll run their little marathon to support you know whatever breast cancer, but they're not going to take a step further to do something more more involving. That's I think is a big thing that needs to change, you know, as people look because there was a great saying. That it said, you know, people fall in love with the plan, but they despise the execution of it. Oh, yes. Right. And I think it was Chris Williamson who actually then said the second half of that one, which went something along the lines of, you know, the magic that you're looking for is in the work that you're not doing. Yeah. Right. And I was just like, man, that is, I love that, that quote from him so much. I had to look it up and that's where I got the first half. And I was like, I think you should have said it both of them together because it's packaged so well, but. Right. You know, I, I'm not far be it for me to tell him how to do his job. He does a great job. So. Absolutely. Well, that's the beauty, right? Is all this intellectual property goes out there and it's, it's the ones that add the value and they're not trying to copyright things. Right. So you can take and mash up together 
and piecemeal everything together for each situation. Every situation is unique. Everybody's got different experiences. Yep. Like one, one for me that resonated was be the change you want to see, right? Like, well, I child, I want you to be quiet. How about you be quiet? Ooh, shit. <laughs> okay. Hey, woman, I'd like you to be a little more ob- obedient. Oh, why don't you be more obedient? I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and, and like all of a sudden, there's a moment to pause and be like, and that's why Tupos has actually become the example as we pivoted the business this year. It's like, no, this isn't about just helping other people. This is about you actually becoming the example. Because if you can do that, all these actions that you are taking are going to just speak volumes above everything else. Then people are going to be like, hey, well, how'd you do that? Now, all of a sudden, your word is a seed that's planted inside of some fallow ground that can actually come and bring forth some fruit. And that's an interesting statement because that's something that I always wonder about when it comes to coaching and when it comes to leadership. And I think there's like, to be the example, you've got to be able to show the example, even if it's through a different lens. What I mean by that is one of my favorite coaches out there is John Danaher, right? So he's the coach for jujitsu. He coached George St. Pierre, who's one of the greatest of all times in MMA. He coaches Gordon Ryan, who's the best jujitsu player on, on the planet. And I'm not saying that John Danaher is not good at jujitsu, but there's many people who are, you know, A minus B level jujitsu that if in a tournament, they would beat the hell out of John Danaher because he's got some fit mobility issues and he's older and, and that sort of thing. But what he said is he said, and he said it very well, is he said, you know, the athlete's job is to be so self-absorbed into their own ability to perform that they have no room for other people. Because if you want to become the top of 1% of the 1%, you have to hit that as a goal. And now whether that be in your, in your marketing, because let's face it, if you don't have people watching and nobody cares, but also in your actual craft, and that's why Gordon Ryan is so great at this. And, but John says then as a coach, you have to be so selfless in everything that you do because you have to, your, your mission is for that other person to be successful. It's not about you. It's not about your goals. It's not about anything. So you're not performing at the same level as they are in their craft, but you're performing, performing at the highest level in your craft, which is coaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it's at. John Danner is so cool, man. I don't know if you, do you listen to him at all? No, I haven't. You throw him on your list. You will love John Danner. Yeah. Awesome. I'm checking him out. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I want to say, you know, if people want to reach out to you, what, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Because I think that's really important. You brought such a great message. You've got such a great story and, and your perspective, man, we are so aligned on so many things. Uh, I love it. How can they reach out to you? Sure. Well, uh, I mean, you just go to the website. We've got ignitionmovement.com. Uh, you can take a look there, take a look at the challenge. Uh, but as far as actually like getting in touch just to have conversation, I've, I, I create space to just have a Zoom meeting, have a little one-on-one, you know, see where we might have some synergies, where you might have some questions you want some answers to or whatever. And you can go to twopostsllc.com slash Zoom and find something that fits for your calendar. And is it so, T-W-O or do you spell it differently? T-U-P-O-S-L-L-C.com slash Zoom. Beautiful. Beautiful. That sounds great. Awesome, man. And you talked about a challenge. What is this challenge? Just to, uh, that's the last thing that sort of piqued my interest there. I mean, not that there's other things we can talk about, but you threw that in. I want to flush that out. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is, uh, this is pretty cool because this is where everything starts for me. You know, I was, <clears throat> when, when God was dealing with me about this pivot, it was like, mm, 
what do you really want? And I'm like, well, I'm not after the money. I'm after the impact. He said, good, do it this way. And so he showed me this funnel and this top level of the funnel is a challenge. It's very simple because it's hard to wake up, right? The concept of waking up, admitting the fact that you're a liar, admitting the fact that you're not doing what you were called to do, that you're not operating in your potential. Like these are hard pills to swallow. So I issue the challenge. It gives a men a 30-day window where they can come in. We have weekly calls. They'll have access to the tools and the warrior system and all of that to be able to come together and they'll get real good on-demand training with live training as well. And we'll basically walk them through that process and give them the space. So they're going to be able to operate inside of 30 days, get 30 days of coaching emails, get all of this stuff wrapped up in a nice bow for $297 US. That's fantastic. Is the coaching at 4.45 in the morning? No, it's not at 4.45 in the morning, but it should be. No. <laughs> <laughs> right now we're in North America. So thankfully I'm actually doing it midday uh, right now. So it's Mondays, middays uh, is, is the challenge coaching. Nice. Uh, but there's on-demand coaching you can pick up in the morning and get after it. And of course, emails anytime. Yeah. So uh, if they'll do the minimum work and they don't see massive improvement in their life, I tell them to take their money back. Like, I don't care. I don't want you to move forward with me. I like, that's it. But you'll have the opportunity to come in here and actually take a run at this and uh, this waking up process. Uh, and then we go on further from there. That's amazing. I love it. I love it. That's so huge. You know, I love when people can actually commit and just get on it. You know, uh, yes. that, that is so huge for me. You know, I, we've seen it so many times in businesses that we've coached, seen it so many times in jujitsu where, you know, we had, we had one person who lost like, I think it was 80 pounds, you know, in, in less than a year, 80 pounds. And just the, the, you could see in his face, you could see it in his persona, you could see in everything, his confidence, everything just shifting. And that was just so, so incredible to see. So incredible to see. So, you know, the idea of impact, I think is really important. One of the things that, you know, I, I talk about, you know, cause people always talk about money and sort of a negative, they talk about impact. I'm like the best way to create the biggest impact is financially. And the reason why, if you don't have any financial inertia behind you, your level of impact is going to be smaller. You know, like if I said, for example, you know, to somebody, Hey, why don't you take your whole family, your grandma, your parents, your nephews, your everybody, and just go on holidays, pay for everything so they don't have to, right? Mm -hmm. And you can create that kind of impact in your family. Imagine what you could do if you had even more resources, you know, what kind of impact you could build a school somewhere, you could build a program for something. So, you know, that money is not a problem. Money is a tool and money is only used. It can be used for horrible things. Or it could be used for absolutely beautiful things. And that up to, that's up to the user to figure that one out. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a horrible stigma growing up with this idea that money's horrible and bad. And anybody that has it's like the devil and like this and just crazy shit. Yeah, that had to be. I did. I had to actually purge that out of my mind because that was yes. something we were taught when we were younger, too, that, you know, it's be happy with what you have. You know, money is the root of all evil, you know, that sort of thing. And purging that out was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, Joshua, it was so incredible to chat with you. And you guys, everybody, go to ignitionmovement.com, get your uh, challenge started. I think that's a fantastic start to kind of get your mindset right and, and get on top of those things that are holding you back. So, really appreciate you on the podcast today and uh, look forward to chatting with you again sometime soon. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Maybe we'll get a roll in. Yeah. That, yeah. A virtual roll, at least. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I'll come down to you. Oh, you come on, dad. I got this. <laughs> All right. Love you, brother.
Kick ass. Hey, man, likewise. And Triple M Nation, that is a wrap for this week's episode of the Money, Mindset, and Mentoring Podcast. This is your host, Steve Hamoon, reminding you that success is not just a destination, but a journey that we take together. I hope our discussions today have sparked ideas, challenged your thinking, and ultimately equipped you with strategies for financial and entrepreneurial growth. Remember, every challenge is a stepping stone towards your goals, and every victory brings you closer to your vision. Let's continue to learn, evolve, and reach for the stars together. Stay tuned for next week's episode, packed with more inspiring stories and insightful discussions. If you found value in our time together today, don't forget to subscribe, share, and review us on your favorite podcast platform. Until then, keep fostering that growth mindset. Keep leveraging money as a tool for your expansion and never stop believing in the power of your dreams. This is Steve Moon signing off. See you next time, Triple M Nation, on the Money, Mindset, and Mentoring Podcast.